This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is something that happened right at the end of 2022, but it wasn't made public until the 4th of January 2023 when we got back after the break. And as you say... It concerns the artist formerly known as Facebook. But here, Meta managed to do what I think no corporation has done previously in that they got two of its subsidiaries fined. That was Jonathan Armstrong. In this episode of Life with GDPR for our first episode of 2023, we look at the Irish Data Protection Commission's fine involving Meta and the implications for companies outside of the tech world around focused and targeted advertising. It's a significant uh, decision and one with lots of implications moving forward. I know you'll enjoy this episode. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll be back with Life with GDPR. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to 2023 for Life with GDPR. GD, Life with GDPR was recently honored as one of the top 10 data privacy podcasts across the globe. So we were thrilled to receive that acknowledgement in addition to our other awards. So, Jonathan, welcome back for 2023. Yeah, thanks very much, Tom. And yeah, I was also ecstatic that we'd won the award. So, Thanks very much for everyone behind that as well. We had some pretty big news the first week of the year involving our ongoing friends over at Facebook or the company formerly known as Facebook, Meta, where Ireland stepped in with a pretty big fine and penalty. You want to tell us about that, Jonathan? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So this is something that happened right at the end of 2022, but it wasn't made public until the 4th of January 2023, when we got back after the break. And as you say, it concerns the artist formerly known as Facebook. But here, Meta managed to do what I think no corporation has done previously, in that they got two of its subsidiaries fined substantial amounts for GDPR on the same day. So the fines are 210 million euros for Facebook or the legacy Facebook operation and a hundred million a hundred and eighty million euros for Instagram. And they're both GDPR breaches and the fines and the cases are relatively similar. The first thing to say is that obviously the 
GDPR fines barometer goes up another notch as a result of these two fines. As we stand here currently, we're just over 2.6 million euros of publicly acknowledged fines from my maths. As we've said before on these podcasts, that ain't an exact science because some fines aren't announced, a few have been appealed and the fines are rescinded, etc. But around, as I say, the 2.6 billion with a B euro level. And that and we're just under 1,800 enforcement actions that have left to a fine led to a fine. We probably tick over to the 1,800 about now because there have been, I think, three this morning from Spain. So in terms of that fine barometer, the two fines for Meta come in at fifth and sixth. If you're doing your GDPR top 10, I know it sounds like the old-fashioned hit parade, Meta also occupy places two, three, and four. So they get to be two, three, four, five, and six in the hit parade. And obviously, that's partly a factor of turnover because turnover is one of the influencing factors or global annual revenue when setting a GDPR fine. But these cases are much wider than big tech, and they affect, I think, almost every organization we come across. Because in some respects, this is tied up with the world of cookies, and it's tied up with the world of online behavioral advertising. And I think the next podcast, Tom, we're going to talk about a bit about cookies. So I'll concentrate here on online behavioral advertising, which some people call OBA. And that's the things like when you visit a website looking for dog grooming products, the next time you open a completely different website, it tells you about dog grooming products in the adverts on the site. So a lot of that is is a product of, of OBA. So what's this about? The complaints are pretty old. They date back to 25 May 2018, the day on which GDPR came into operation. And the complaints were backed by Max Schrems, who we've talked about before on these podcasts, and his pressure group, NOYB. So Schrems, as is known and we've talked about before, had a long-running dispute with Meta slash Facebook, and that led to the annulment of both the Safe Harbor and Privacy Shield schemes. (laughs) And we talked about that in a podcast a couple of weeks ago. But this investigation was into Meta's terms of service for Facebook and Instagram. And essentially, just as the clock struck midnight and GDPR came in May 2018, Meta changed the legal basis for processing personal data. So it went from consent to the fulfillment of a contract. And it said effectively, if you still want Facebook and Instagram services, once GDPR comes in, you've got to accept these new terms. And they effectively said they became a contract between the users and Meta. And the contract necessarily involved the user agreeing that Meta was going to provide them with personalized services. And this would include OBA. And it said that it was essential because the advertising paid for the service and OBA 
enrich the revenues from advertising. And the complainant said that, in fact, Meta was still really relying on consent. And because it was forced consent, it wasn't valid under GDPR. You remember we've talked in earlier podcasts about consent, how it has to be freely given, it has to be obtained transparently, and individuals can withdraw consent. The uh, Irish Data Protection Commissioner came to look at this complaint. They're called the Data Protection Commission. I'll call them the DPC here. Confusingly, they were called the Data Protection Commissioner when the case was launched, but there's no real distinction here in that change of name. So the DPC said that Metro hadn't complied with its transparency obligations under GDPR. We've said before that transparency is the lettering through the stick of rock. It's a core element of GDPR, and it's the feature of most of the big cases. So they said that Meta hadn't been clear and honest about how it was going to use data. But it, but the DPC said that the forced consent complaint wasn't going to be upheld, and it said that in principle, Meta could rely on a contractual legal basis. So, Tom, you might be asking, what happened next? Obviously, the case didn't just concern Ireland. And in fact, the complainants were based in Austria and Belgium, respectively. So, some other European data protection authorities kicked, objected, if you like. They asked the DPC to change its draft findings. The DPC refused. And so we had this dispute resolution mechanism that GDPR provides for that is run by the European Data Protection Board. And the EDPB said effectively that um, it agreed with some of what the DPC had said, but it disagreed on the contractual legal basis. It also said that the fine should be increased. And it asked the DPC to ensure that Meta brings its processing obligations into compliance within three months. And that probably hurts Meta more than the fine, because uh, if the order stands, it'll have to change its business model and move away from OBA. In fact, Schrems has said that online advertising is dead. I'm not sure that it's dead, but it's certainly very unwell. So Meta's appealing. And it's probably likely to appeal in various courts about both the substance of the rulings and the fines and this injunction, if you like, to change its business practice. M says it's a huge blow for Meta. He says it'll have a real impact on its profits. Meta denies that. But the case also tells us, I think, that there's a brewing storm between the EDPB and the DPC. Both of them effectively briefed against the other, and that's not likely to be healthy for GDPR enforcement across Europe. We already saw that Austria, Germany, France, Ireland, the Netherlands, Norway, Poland, Portugal, and Sweden all raised formal objections against Ireland. And Ireland has actually threatened to bring the EDPB to court because the EDPB effectively asked it to do a sort of audit into Meta. And it said that because DPAs have to be independent, the EDPB can't do that. So lots of litigation to come. I'm conscious that this is sounding a bit like a monologue, Tom, 
But a few practical steps that people can take, I think. Firstly, be transparent about how you handle personal data. And obviously, to be transparent, you've got to find out what's happening with personal data. I would say that the majority of websites I look at for clients, 85% perhaps, have some sort of data going to big tech companies like Meta, LinkedIn, and Microsoft. And you'll need to look at those data flows and find out what they're doing with the data. I know some of our clients are using LinkedIn, for example, to support uh, HR and hiring strategies, et cetera, et cetera. But you're going to have to find out what's happening with that data so that you can be open, honest, and clear with people. Secondly, look at your legal basis for processing data. Contractual basis is going to be narrow. Effectively, what the regulators here said is, yep, OBA wasn't essential. You could fund Facebook in other ways. You could make Instagram a subscription service. Elon Musk is trying with Twitter. So you can't, you haven't persuaded us that OBA is necessary. And it could be conventional advertising that isn't tailored to individuals. Thirdly, coupled with that, you're going to have to look at any argument based on necessity really carefully. The word necessity appears 122 times in GDPR. It's going to be interpreted narrowly, and that has an impact in all sorts of other areas where necessity is used as well. So anyone who relies on necessity is going to have to bring proper evidence to prove that it's necessary. And fourthly, I think anyone who's advertising on meta platforms has to be cautious. I'm not saying necessarily that they need to pull out of online advertising immediately, but they need to think it through properly. And that applies whether you're buying data from Meta directly or whether you're using an ad broker, whether you're enriching the data with information or whether somebody else is doing that for you. But this whole advertising infrastructure is under threat I don't think it's dead, but I think, as I say, it's unwell. And any business is going to have to be cautious before it books an online advertising campaign. Jonathan, let me go back to the sort of legal disputes between the regulators and regulatory bodies. Do you think this is a, an example of the rest of the EU thinking that uh, Ireland is too lenient on corporations who may have tax havens there? I think that's probably right. I think there are two elements to the complaint, maybe three elements to the complaints against Ireland. First of all, that it's too lenient. Secondly, that it's under-resourced. And thirdly, that it's a bottleneck. And so, as a result, that means that in some cases, like the Canil activity against Apple that we're going to talk about next time round, we're getting DPAs try and bypass the one-stop shop mechanism because they say, that's a bottleneck, I'm going to jump across it. I think there is a perception that Ireland doesn't have enough resources, and there's certainly a perception that politically it has been light on some big tech organizations. I think I have some sympathy for the uh, DPC, the current data protection commissioner I've spoken with her. I think she's an assiduous individual. I think she is under strain. One of her key lieutenants 
recently left for the lure of law firm books. I think that's always going to be something that affects an agency like the DPC. And to be fair to Ireland, I think it's recognized that there are issues. We'll have a couple of extra commissioners appointed to help share the workload, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously the same allegations were levied against other countries, Luxembourg being one, for example, and Luxembourg obviously has the current highest GDPR fine, but not a lot of high fines after that. So, yeah, I think partly it is a factor of Ireland being perceived to be lenient. But in some respects, if you look at that list I've just read out, some of the criticisms are unjust. If you've got a data protection authority whose maximum fine is a million euros, criticizing a fine of 230 million euros, it is slightly rich, I think. There's a number of data protection authorities are almost serial objectors to other people's fines, but without levying any or many themselves. But politically, I think this is, I don't want to say a death spiral, but relations between European data protection authorities will never be the same again. And of course, the practical effect of that for US corporations in particular is if you thought Ireland was your human shield, and if you thought, I've only got to keep Ireland happy, and then the rest of the EU is happy, or at least can't do anything about it, then you're wrong. And if I'm a US corporation that's facing a data breach, for example, or a transparency complaint, then I've got to gear up to the fact that I might have to deal with 30-plus regulators. Remember that Germany has local, not national regulators, instead of one. And that means that you've got to put more resources in. You've got to have your processes better because instead of talking to one regulator, Ireland, in English, you might have to talk about to 20 different regulators in eight different languages. So people have got to get better at process as a result. And that's as a result of the fallout from this case, as I say, relations amongst the EU data protection authorities will never be the same again. And that hits every single corporation. Who is the court of final resort to resolve these disputes, Jonathan? That's a great question. And the answer is somewhat complicated. So we're going to have, I think, we'll end up with parallel proceedings. And I think Meta, at least looking at its track record of appeals previously, will probably launch two or three different strands of attack. So I think they're likely to go to the EU General Court and effectively say that the EDPB has exceeded its powers and that it didn't follow principles of natural justice. So I think we can expect them to run arguments to say these fines were raised, we didn't get the opportunity of a hearing before the EDPB, etc., etc. And at the same time, I think they'll be launching a 
domestic appeal within Ireland to the Irish courts saying that the DPC didn't follow the direct, the proper process, maybe that the DPC exceeded its authority, that it gave too much respect to an EU institution rather than an independent sovereign Irish institution, etc., etc. I foresee arguments like this. I also foresee the possibility that either or both of these courts could refer the case to the European Court of Justice. Schrems has already had two big days in court. So all of that process could take us another two or three or four years. If it was just fines and fines alone, then Meta might not fight as hard. But because this goes to its business model, I think we can expect Meta to fight assiduously and open up battle on a number of fronts. And again, I think that will just enhance this whole thing about relations with European DPAs never being the same again. Why? Because we're in this weird position that theoretically Meta appeals in Ireland. The appeal will be against the DPC. And the DPC will be expected to defend the EDPB's decision, which was directly against its original draft decision. So effectively, they'll be forced to defend a decision they don't agree with. Now, if they defend that assiduously, then I think they'll have egg on their face, but the EDPB will be happy. But if the EDPB perceives that Ireland mass all of its tanks and repel the Meta army then the DPC's got more trouble with European DPAs. So this will, unfortunately, be a festering wound. And I go back to the original th thought on this, is that harms US corporations in particular, because some other EU DPAs will think that they're fair game for action. I think you've got on mute, Tom. I think we'll have to entitle this episode, Where is Franz Kafka When You Really Need Him? Jonathan, unfortunately, we're near the end of the time for this episode. We're going to link to the quarterly client news alert in the show notes, and I look forward to continuing this conversation. Thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Life with GDPR. In 2023, if you've ever considered starting your own podcast or would like some advice on the production or posting of your podcast, I hope you will consider utilizing the Compliance Podcast Network, the only podcast network dedicated to compliance. If you'd like more information on the Compliance Podcast Network, you can contact me via email at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Thanks so much for listening. This episode of Life with GDPR has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.